Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ah, yes. The magnificent trolley sour bright crawler, also known as Trollicus brightolus. The worm's captivating neon color makes it an easy gummy prey. It's a surprisingly sour, invitingly chewy, staggeringly snackable species unlike anything else found on this planet. Eat me! Delicious. Visit trolley.com to shop now. Trolley, eat me! At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the U! Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Olive Magazine podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's food editor, and I'll be your host for this episode. This week, I'll be talking to Anna and Gregor about unusual flavour combinations. Some that work, some that might work, and some that are just downright bonkers. Have a listen to see if any of your favourites are mentioned. But first up, here's digital writer Alex in an extended chat with chef Josh Eggleton, including what's hot in Bristol right now and what it's like behind the scenes on the Great British Menu. Okay, so we have today Josh Eggleton visiting us from Bristol. Um, Josh is the co-founder of uh, restaurant and food festival Eat Drink Bristol Fashion. He's also founder of Michelin-starred pub The Pony and Trap, a fish and chip restaurant called Salt and Malt, and a recently opened fried chicken joint Chicken Shed. And you may have also seen him on the Great British Menu for the past few years. But to start, Josh, you're celebrating a birthday, aren't you? Ten years of The Pony and Trap. Yeah, in Chew Magna, um, this is one of the only Michelin star pubs in the country. So, uh, can you tell us what's the secret to your success? Secret to success? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we've been there ten years. Um, if I'm honest, it's quite simple. Just, just work hard. We just have to work really hard, um, and I love it. You know, so everything we do, we have a vested interest in, or we really enjoy, and we love what we do. So, I think as long as you've got that, you can carry on working and working and enjoying it. You know. So you're kind of keen to evolve and keen to move things on and a burning desire to make things better as well, you know? Yeah. So I was in the Pony and Trap Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all, and yesterday actually, so all week. Um, and it was just, you know, just don't stop. Sometimes you wear yourself out like, oh, that could be better, that could be better, yeah. this could be better. So you're trying to improve all the time. 
Well, as, as you say, you're trying to improve all the time. How do you think it's changed in the 10 years? There's, are there certain things that are still on the menu, for example? Have you got classics that people always ask for? Or? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, no, it has changed drastically, really. Yeah. When we first opened, it was just me and my sister. My sister was at the front and I was in the kitchen and, you know, we had to create a menu um, to be able to just for us to, to be able to service that and do, you know, 15 covers a night or something like that or less, you know, and then wow. but then ramp up on a Saturday to do in a few more. Um, and and that, in those days, we had things like lasagna on the menu. And I kind yeah. of made lasagna and a, and a, and a, and a steak. I guess a steak's yeah. still on the menu, a good steak. Um, Can't be a good steak. I, yeah, and it's sort of changed lots. But the ethos has just been there. You want to cook fresh food. Yeah. Simple as that. Buy good ingredients and cook fresh food. doesn't matter what it is necessarily. Um of course, it matters what it is, but it doesn't matter yeah. what it's going to be as long as you've got a good product at the start. Yeah, speaking of the uh, ingredients, um, yeah. you're a big advocate of uh, field fort movement, aren't you? And um, I hear yeah, you've just created an orchard next to the Pony and Trap. We have just planted an orchard. Well, about about almost two years ago now. Okay. That's just that we've just had a really good harvest this year from the orchard. So, what um, do you get from there? We have um, lots of different apples, obviously, uh, but we also have like um, different ver- few varieties of plums. Um, damsons and cherries. We've got loads, mm. we've got thirty different trees, and we've got mid season, wow. late season, early season. Um, so we kind of stretches us across the year. Um, so it's really really good. And we put some fruit nets up. So we've got black currants and red currants and Great. white currants and gooseberries and wild strawberries. Even though we grew them, um, <laughs> cultivated strawberries, wild, yeah, or well, the little ones. You know? Yeah, that's a French word for them. I can't remember what it is. Um, but yeah, so that's really good. And that's really sort of a massive learning curve for us at the moment. So we're doing lots of growing and really sort of forgive the pub we're going into that as such and yeah. we've just kind of taken on a field next door to the pub as well and Great. the aspiration in the next two or three years would be to turn it into like a little micro farm so, oh wow yeah. with animals as well maybe yeah I mean we years ago we used to have animals in the garden at the pony where the orchard is we used to have 25 chickens and oh, we've wow. reared pigs there that was a long time ago about five or six years ago and then we had to um, they had to they had to leave they has gone on a cruise for a bit oh, okay and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, to, and then because we had we, we just had to do some work in the garden with our drainage and we put like a, we put like a digestion system in to deal with our wastewater to clean all our wastewater so we can digest back into the water course oh, so brilliant. we had to machine the garden out and do a lot of that and then we put the orchard in and it's is the intention to get the chickens back but it's like okay seems step to be by step <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah so now you um now that you you don't have the chickens you focus on southwest producers don't you yeah how does that how do you think that impacts the quality of your cooking having such it's, local local uh, ingredients are massive and um i think that the fact that we've been there for 10 years really helps with we, we we've finding local supplies people know we're there and people come and find me as well as me yeah. going to find them you know and if they want to sell something really unique or interesting which is a fantastic product which might not be for everyone to buy um people do do find come and find us i mean recently i've just found an amazing forager who a guy i've been talking about him all morning actually a guy who lives in western supermare and he's an environmental scientist and his full-time wow. job is being a, a forager and this guy is like nobody else I've ever met on wild food really? and it's really incredible and he's bringing me some absolutely stunning stuff and what's the knowledge. coolest thing he's brought you most random thing well oh the other day well interestingly this was actually not from the southwest but um he has brought us 
loads of stuff on the side for us. He bought salty fingers the other day, which are a nice little sea vegetable. They're like a little sea jelly bean. They kind of pop Ooh, in your mouth. They're what really, do you use really those nice. for? We're just gar- garnished. We're gonna, we've just been garnished like a blowtorch mackerel dish with them, you know, so you ah. get a nice salty, fresh hit. And sometimes, sea fingers. Salty fingers. Salty fingers. <laughs> Great name, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, so that's interesting. But then he also bought me a, um, this is from Belgium actually, a honey truffle. And you Ooh. only get it from this one region in Belgium. And that was, that was, very unique and kind of wasn't sure of it. I wasn't even sure if I liked it. We haven't used it on the menu because okay. we sat there scratching our heads like, what can we do with this? Not sure. What does it that. taste like? It tastes very intense, honey and sweet. Okay. And then you eat it, it's very intense, honey and sweet. It looks like a white truffle and then it continues um, to almost like a bubblegum flavour. Oh, then wow. It, and then it continues again and five minutes later you're like, I can still taste it. So it's kind of weird. Wow. Like, so you would definitely so have to use it something sweet. Yeah, maybe. Or you can counter it with something. So we're trying to We've been thinking about it. Yeah. Well, so, watch the space. There you go. Um, so as well as the Pony and Trap, you opened a fish and chip shop, Salt and Malt, I last did. year, didn't you? Yes. Why fish and chips? Fish and chips. Well, fish and chips because I've started my catering career in the fish and chips I, d- I heard that, yeah. Yeah. How, is that, how do you think that's Love affected it. your um, career as a chef? Like, Well, I've always what I've always wanted to do as um, ever since I was young, whatever I did, I wanted to open sort of run my own business mm-hmm. so I went to work in a fish and chip shop at like 15 so then I was like right I'm going to open a fish and chip shop and then I went to work in a pub oh I'm going to open a pub or a restaurant <laughs> and stuff so and, then, and that's what happened I've got both yeah <laughs> but I've always had like a burning desire to kind of do that and I've always enjoyed fish and chips um, I love and I just, just, just get excited about it I just used to love working in the fish and chip shop and being really busy and stuff like that and, and it's sort of being, want, being able to want to kind of have people to enjoy that you know and we have a, we have the we have it on Chew Valley Lake which is in the mid it's just around the corner of the Pony Trap so we're in a valley a massive lake in the middle wow. so the chip shop and the um and, the, and it's a tea room as well sits overlooking the lake but oh. I get a bit more excited about people kind of and we have a huge car park and people can kind of pull up and over the, the lake in the summer or in the winter of the pouring rain. But I kind of get a bit more excited about people having fish and chips and then going back to their car and they get all oh, steamy inside. Yeah. Sort of that nostalgia thing. So I think that's better. You specialise in gluten-free fish and chips. We do, there, yeah. We, we chose to go gluten-free for the chip shop. Um, and the fish range, so that's the fish and chip range, has to operate entirely gluten-free. So it was a, it was like you're, you're in or you're right. You can't just yeah. do... A token you can do if you've got a little bit of a separate fryer, but I kind of felt that we kind of figured out that fish and chips, if we do gluten free and we use a, a British rapeseed oil again, a British right. ingredient rather than a, like a palm oil, which would be a saturated yeah. fat, we kind of figured out that it would be better for digestion. So, okay. as in, you know, when you have fish and chips at home and then you're like, oh, I'm gonna yeah. move, um, <laughs> which you know, we that. all do, <laughs> still do it now. Look, it's my local one where I live, um, but. People have been commenting, you know, that it digests a lot better, and can you feel okay. a lot better afterwards? And so, so how do you make it gluten free? The, the we batter? created our own batter mix with, you know, using a combination of uh, rice flour and maize, um, and we, you know, it took us a while to get it right. Got to be mm. honest, probably about five to six hundred permutations to try and wow. figure out how to get it right. We get what we, the result we get is a real nice crunch. Uh, to the batter, which actually some people don't like, you know. Some people be like, oh, it was a bit crunchy. But, I like that crunchiness, though. Yeah, um, whenever but, I've had know. gluten-free um, fried chicken, which we'll come on to soon, um, I, I love that because it's really crisp and like, yeah. almost like crackling. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. But, you know, then again, I, I, some people enjoy it when you wrap it in the paper and it softens yeah. up a bit. So, you know, it, it's difficult. It's like 
everyone has a fish and chips in their head. Everyone has a roast Definitely. dinner in their head. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. Very much so. So, so yeah, speaking of frying, you've also just opened an yeah. organic fried chicken shop. Yes, we have. Chicken shed. Yeah. Well, it, we do do fried chicken, but we do everything. We use the whole bird. Okay. So, right. you know, you can get a roasted crown. Um, oh, wow. Some, some chili wings. You can even get the um, livers and hearts on toast as well. So we Ooh, want to use everything. Okay, so it's like a whole bird shop. That's yeah, the that's idea. right. So what we do is we buy an organic chicken down by Exeter um, and we have to use the whole bird and it's about using the whole animal really okay. you know and, and it's something we are struggling with because everybody wants to eat the the fried legs and and, yes. the, and the chicken in a bun which we use the leg and we're trying to champion the whole bird as well which is interesting okay. which I'm finding really interesting because 10 years ago nobody wanted to eat leg meat no you know and now it's well it's when we have roast dinner at home right it's always the, the brown meat is always the most prized it is Part. The oyster. Yeah. Do you um, also use, do people get squeamish about eating different parts of the chicken? No, not at all. No, it all sells, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What's the secret to great fried chicken? Well, we're still, I've got to be honest, like the like the uh, like the the fish and chips, we are we're working really hard on that, and I would say we're not there yet. We need to okay. we need to improve. Um, but it is it is getting there, and we we've made our own spice mix. It's about seasoning it correctly, um, and it's. I don't know. There's a lot of factors. Yeah. Probably, it'd probably be more testing than it was for the fish and chips as well. But you but use organic again, chicken, don't you? The, the main thing is is buying a great bird, buying yeah. organic chicken, and we pay a lot of money. We pay for the nose for those birds, but we know that they've had high welfare. You know, they've they've seen the light and yeah, <laughs> as such, and they've been running Run around a bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Uh, uh, some of the battery stuff is like two, three weeks old and stuff. And these birds that we buy are at minimum of twelve weeks old, maybe older, and they're bigger as well because you can t- because they've actually they've been eating and they've been getting bigger, so they're not just being a small chicken. You know, these small chickens yeah. are not, not very good. And I they've got a nice depth of flavour as well. I love the um, thought of ballerina chickens. Have ballerina you heard of chickens? those? No, I don't know what's this. They're chickens that and they they are. You know, free range, and they have really long legs because they're just used to like running around. Yeah. And I just think it's such a funny image of ballerina chickens <laughs> like pirouetting. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they, they do. don't pirouette, but <laughs> well, I've been to a lot of chicken farms recently, so well, it's nice to see them running around. Um, and the chicken shed is in Bristol's new development, isn't it? Yeah, um, Bristol Chicken Shed is part of uh, the new Whopping Wharf development, which is a lot of flats and also um, a, a thing called cargo, which is a yes. sh- series of shipping containers. Um, and um, chicken shed is in shipping containers. Hence the reason we call it Chicken Shed and because it's on the docks uh, okay. as well. Bristol Docks, a lot of the buildings on Bristol Docks were always, always named something shed. So we had M Shed, O Shed. Okay. You know, so that's why we went for that. Yeah. And um, what are the vendors? Which of the vendors has cargo drawn? There's loads the of vendors area? actually. And there's a, there's a new block of cargo going in in uh, going to start this month and it will be open next year so another okay. 21 units um, but the current one I think there's um, uh, ooh, 11 units so there's Ash Chicken Shed there's Box E which is like a little fine dine restaurant that's great um, what kind of food is it? sort of uh, British okay. modern British a guy called Elliot he's come down from London actually Ah, yeah, it's great. really, really nice. Uh, Larkin Sen's in there doing noodles and steamed buns. Mm. Um, who else? Uh, the pigsty, and they're doing like homemade sausages and cured bacon and oh, pork great. products. Um, and then there's a f- other things like a florist and a barber's. So a nice, diverse really mix. nice little community. Yeah, yeah, real huge community. And the passing trade is unbelievable. The amount of people that are walking by. But they never used to walk by because it used to be a direct yeah, site. Exactly. So it's been changed for 
a new route for people to walk to work, which is really, really nice. So, because you're a co-founder of Eat, Drink, Bristol Fashion, aren't yes. you? So, um, big advocate of the city as a foodie destination. Yeah. And um, something about Bristol, which is really interesting, is it hasn't really fallen victim to many chains and it's like a magnet for creative foodie people. Like, what are your favourite independent well, places Bristol to go to Bristol? Bristol has a fierce independent streak, which is really, really nice. Yeah. Um, and again, cargo is a massive reflection of that. Everyone down there mm-hmm. is an independent. Um, and, it, you know, Bristol's quite a big city, so it does have a certain element of, you know, um, chain restaurants there. But no one knows as much as everyone else. And you can, there's a huge diverse mix and different things you can get in any part of the city. Um, for example, there's a place called Tiffin's, which is just like a little Indian Indian takeaway. Okay. But it's not like any Indian you know, you know. They just do two meat dishes and about... 10 vegetarian dishes and you go in and you get it cold right. and then you take it home in little four boxes okay. and you warm it up in your oven and right. it, it's great it's so and it's so fresh and clean there's no grease and the people are lovely and you stand there and have a chat with them it's just really really nice and you can't nice. sit inside or they got one little table inside so you got things like that and then we got things like it St Nicholas Market which is the old market in Bristol Some we got like a, is that uh, in the centre? Yeah, just off the centre, like a Turkish place or or maybe a bit, bit of Kurdish influence. And they do, they grill fresh lamb and then cook your flatbread to order and then make it all up to order. It's absolutely wow. amazing. And it's and it's really, really affordable as well. So we've got loads of little hidden gems like that in Bristol, yeah. just delicious. Any um, other restaurants that you really like that are independent and... In Bristol, there's stacks. Next time we go. <laughs> stacks of restaurants. If you go to Bristol, if you want some... Fine dining, and you'll be blown away when I go to Casimir. Um, yes, I've heard if you great. Want amazing things. brasserie food. Go go up to Warfish and Clifton Village, and then we have a new wave of restaurants that have opened in the city, like real amazing neighbourhood restaurants like Birch and Wilson's and No Man's Grays and uh, Bull Rush and Adelina Yard. They've Need all, a month to. They've to all visit. opened like that last year, and they're all young guys as well, and just doing amazing things. Okay. We've also got on olivemagazine.com, we've got a guide to um, Bristol restaurants and places to eat and drink. So um, head there if you want to have a look at some more places to go. Um, So we can't let you leave without chatting about the Great British Menu. Yes. And this year was your third year on the show? My third year. Was it? Yeah. Yes. And how was this year compared to the other years? I really enjoyed this year, actually, especially the finals. It was great, great bunch of guys. And what was really inspiring a bit like Bristol to be honest um, like all these guys are cooking in their kitchens now across the country and they're doing amazing things you know um, so the standard was very very high and you just learn so much as well so great that's good. yeah one of the um, finalists was Tommy Banks from Yorkshire yeah. and um, I had the pleasure of meeting him on a recent visit to the Black Swan at Oldstead in Yorkshire which is a must if anybody's in the area um, and he said, and I quote, that you're a flavour gangster in yeah. reference to your beef dish. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us about that dish? Yeah, of course. Um, so so the brief for the Great British Money was to be celebrating our Great Britons. Um, and, you know, and that could, that could be people doing amazing things in the country. And I just wanted to celebrate the British beef farmers. Mm-hmm. And I think I think British beef is, is the best beef in the world, you know, and it always has been. Um and so I want to celebrate that on the plate. So we have, I almost have like a nose to tell thing of beef on the plate, you know. So we have like a chargo ribeye. We have the oxtails braised in grapes for like 10 hours. Oh, wow. The sweetbreads, which we glazed in marmite and a bit of maple. Um, we have a chargo ox heart salad with, um, just get a nice bit of smokiness and just toss that watercress and 
horseradish and pickled red cabbage. So it's got very distinct British bias. Oh, yeah, and then we do a beef tea, which we've infused with loads of garden herbs at the time and lovage and parsley. Oh, wow. Stuff. So, yeah, lots going on. So on does you pour, do you pour that over the top? No, you drink the tea in the little cup. Oh, you drink cup it? Because it's a little bit thinner than it would be for a sauce, you know, so it's just... Okay, yeah. great. So finally, what what's next? What are you up to next? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> next is to just focus on what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I'm always I'm very much at the Pony and Trap. They're cooking, um, but also looking after the other restaurants. Um, you know, early week generally. Um, it's just to, just to con- continue to refine what we're doing, mm-hmm. find great people to work with us. Um, and, and make things better. It's what we do on a daily basis. We get, get up in the morning and think, how can I improve? Yeah. Simple as that. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job with the, your Michelin stars as well. So, um, yeah, well, thank you very much for coming no in. And if anybody wants to learn more about the Southwest and Bristol food scene, we've got plenty of articles um, on olivemagazine.com. So head there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, I thought my peanut butter and marmite on toast addiction was a bit strange, but I've got nothing on some of the crazy flavour combos in this next bit. Ice cream and french fries, anyone? So I'm here today with um, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi. And Gregor. Hello, Gregor. Hello. Today we're talking about weird food combinations. Um, This came about because we were on a shoot and the home ex, Sal, who I know listens to the podcast, hi Sal, um, told us about um, a regular breakfast thing of hers where she has jam on toast with scrambled eggs on top. And I, <laughs> I st- <laughs> and then she sent me a picture of it as well the next time she was having it. And I was still, I'm still really baffled by it. And I, I can't bring myself to, because in my head, I cannot put those two things together, like eggs and jam. It's a very, very, very strange thing. Yeah. I mean, saying that there are eggs and cake. There's jam on cake. But you can't taste yeah, it. Yeah, but not like not like eggy, eggy, eggy scrambled egg. egg. No, 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 I know. Um, so but, we we thought we'd just chat about you know other other things that we um that we that we like yeah. things that we don't like things that we've got the team to confess as yes, well. Yes, yes, and tell us and tell on friends of theirs as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't know who who'll begin. You, who, why don't I, you start? Going okay. Well, mine the, the the one that I have is. Uh, that I, that when, I, when I was a kid, um, one thing that I used to love was cucumber sandwich spread, which you don't really get in the shops in the UK anymore. I believe you get it in uh, Holland still, but not here. Is that is like sandwich spread? It is sandwich in, spread. It's just a variety of that. In a jar? In a jar. Yeah. Same sort of jar, but it's just <laughs> cucumber, no other vegetables. No little so mini it, carrots. So, but it's pickled. Yeah. Pickled gherkins, basically. And was it uh, and, was it like mayonnaise based as well? I think it's like it's, to me it tastes more like uh, salad cream. Yeah. So as a result of which I create my own <laughs> by by uh, by chopping really finely uh, pickled gherkins yeah. and mixing it with salad cream. I like to have it on water biscuits. I can eat half a packet of water biscuits in this in this way in one go. High bake ones, of course. So it's just gherkins and salad cream. Gherkins and salad cream. And you don't put any cucumbers in because the cucumbers, no. the pickled cucumber, which is the gherkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. that's it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe it really was pickled cucumbers, but I suspect it was pickled gherkins. It yeah. was delicious. But I get the sweet ones, the kosher ones. Yeah. They're yeah. really, really nice, <clears throat> and it works works brilliantly. Yes, I, I can. I mean, I I have. I've, 
a massive love for salad cream. Like yeah, a huge, it can't go wrong in my And dying love for salad cream. I've got a massive bottle in my fridge at the moment. Um, so I, I, I would give that a thumbs yeah. up, definitely. Okay, thank you. I don't think it's yes. that weird, actually. Not that weird. No, good. no. Good. <laughs> I think you're in sort of similar flavour profiles with the pickle and the salad cream as well, because they're both kind of vinegary, kind yeah. of got that relishy type flavour. So. And a bit sweet. Yeah, yeah, and a bit sweet too. What about yeah. you, Anna? I think... Well, the one that I grew up with that I didn't think was weird until I tried to explain it to people was English mustard powder and you make it into a sauce with malt vinegar and you use this as a dipping sauce for mussels, just really like wow. plain steamed mussels. That's hard. We are hardcore with our like flavours, aren't we? It's like really I, yeah. extreme. I would try that. Sounds good to that. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you used to get like whenever yeah. you go to the seaside and you get, you know, if you go to the cockle store yeah, yeah. and you get the little tub of cockles or mussels yeah. and then you've got like white pepper and vinegar to sort of to put, to on, put it. on top. Yeah, right, so you yeah. get that really like zing yeah. of, and they're kind of like brined already usually, aren't they? So. Yeah. I mean, that's a bit of a traditional British <clears throat> thing, isn't it? White pepper and malt vinegar. Yeah. Because that's what people used to put on tripe as well. Yeah, yeah my granddad just yeah, always yeah. have the little little mm. pot. I think this is a Flemish thing. Apparently, this is what my dad says. Um, yeah, he's got it from his his mm. uh, grandparents. That's how they used to eat it. Yeah. But it's a pretty, it's a big punch in the, you know, in yeah. the in the face. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> like really mustardy and vinegary as well. So. Yeah, it's, the it's it's, it's yeah, kind it's, of it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of extreme. But again, you can yeah. kind of see like the mm. logic in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, I'm just going to name and shame, she's not here, so I can say <laughs> our editor, Laura, um, who when I sent her an email saying, have you got anything that you want to confess about weird combinations? She said, yeah, uh, I've got a few, actually. And I think she's already mentioned in a previous podcast her love of um, ginger nut biscuits dipped in hot chicken oxo in a mug. Oh. <laughs> uh, which shocked our publisher to the core. Yeah. Um, but she's now come up with a couple of new ones. Um and she says, if you whiz grated cheddar cheese and ketchup up together, so it's like a paste, and then spread it on crackers, it's like mini pizza. <laughs> and put it in the microwave for a few seconds. <laughs> oh, my God. See? Okay. Um, <laughs> and then slightly less weird and yet still biscuit-based uh, is digestive biscuits and Marmite. So um, right. you can kind of, I can kind of get to the Biscuits and Marmite, and yeah. the, even the cheese on the crackers is. Yeah. The ginger biscuits and chicken stock is still a little bit out there for yeah, me. That, yeah, that's quite experimental. Yeah. yeah. A couple more um, from the team. Jill uh, said that she used to love to let her ice cream melt for a bit and then dip her fries into it. Um, and apparently that's a thing. People like dipping French fries into chocolate mm. milkshakes. Oh. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually found that a lot. Looking around about weird food combos, people have confessed that one quite a lot. So. That's strange. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and Sarah's um, housemate, it, that's weird, Sarah's housemate, not Sarah, it's definitely a housemate, likes jam on roast dinners, which again is kind of understandable because that's almost like cranberry sauce. A little bit like chutney turkey. maybe. Yeah. 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 So not, not too bad. Not too weird, but still. Oh, I'm just thinking apricot jam in my head. Just thinking apricot. Like, yeah. But if you had apricot jam with pork, roast pork, that would yeah. kind of. I know it would be really sweet though, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. For some reason, I think she means like raspberry or strawberry. <laughs> you think she means like yeah. full on yeah. kind of jam. Hartley's like yeah, yeah, seedless jam. raspberry jam, <laughs> jam yeah. on lamb, basically. Yeah. On lamb. It's the way yeah. forward. Yeah. 
Um, what else have you got there, Anna? Um, I th- I've heard this a few times as well. HB sauce on pies, uh, like shepherd's pie and um, hot pot and things like this. See, I, I well, don't think that's. I don't think yeah. that's. We- I don't do it because I don't really like sauce on a on a. I think if you bothered to make like shepherd's pie, I wouldn't put tomato. But I know people who can't eat it without brown yeah. sauce or red sauce on it. So I think it might be a northern thing. Too. I think it's completely. Yo, you're northern. Oh, I, don't yeah. know. I think odd odd on shepherd's pie. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's a soft thing anyway. It doesn't have a hard crust. So it would just What do you only put sauce on a hard thing? Yeah. <laughs> That's well, a rule, right? Uh, yeah. You do okay. now. No, okay. but no, okay. I put several sauces on baked beans, for instance. Right, so that yeah. doesn't count. I put I put American mustard <laughs> HP sauce. <laughs> Or daddy's sauce, which I prefer. I think daddy's has got more uh, vinegar, actually. And, and also oh. some Encona hot pepper sauce. Yeah. All, all of all, them. All of them on beans. Yeah, just but I try to do it in a pattern, like a, like like a, like a, like a, she, like a chef. <laughs> so yeah. you're trying to elevate it to the, next, to elevate sauce it to level. the next level. So they, they, I do it like someone would do with like okay. a fancy mayonnaise over a cold meat. Can you take a picture of that next time you I do it? I will do that, Because yeah. I think we should probably Instagram this <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we need proof. Okay, yeah. well, I do eat it at least at, once yeah. every two weeks. So it won't, won't be yeah. long. So yeah. that seems that yeah. seems kind of yeah. fair, fair goes. What yeah. else is down there? Um, I really like, I don't know, this might not sound strange now, but um, pickled onions with roast chicken. This is like a family favourite. Is it? So when we have like a roast chicken dinner, we'll always have like those really big pickled onions on the side. Is that, well, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I'm sure we've had, we've cooked things. You have cooked things. Yeah. You too. Um, here that have involved pickled onions with meat of some kind or another. In, maybe in pies, maybe in... Mm. But anyway... It's a flavour combination. I think we might have had a stew once where someone yeah. added them because it's Pickle a thing it. now because it kind of you've got that extra yeah. level of the, the vinegar sort of flavour, it, it haven't just, you? It's great, isn't it? Yeah. It just works really well with the gravy as well. Mm, I can imagine. Yeah. I was at someone's house the other day and they they made us a fry up for breakfast and they put Branston pickle on their fry up. That it, it just reminded that's, me when you said there, that's but that's kind of weird. And they were like, "I have to have Branston pickle with a fried egg." So I think that's quite, yeah. Well, because remember, I don't know if they still make it, but Branston came up with a sauce instead of a of, of a pickle. Did they? So it was like a smooth sauce, but exactly the same flavour. So yeah. it was like, so, and then and then I thought, well, that would be nice. But then actually, why not just put pickle on it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I reckon Branson's all, all another... coming from the same direction, isn't it? See, like for me, Branston, I, I love posh pickles and everything and chutneys, but like Branston pickle, there's just something about it. You can't it, which really is, beat it. You can't beat it, can you? But I think there's one that's like a like a cheap catering version. Yeah. There, when, it, when I when I used to <laughs> I used to work as a caddy on a golf course, and they and they had a little hut where they sold sandwiches. You have such and tea, a rich backstory. I, I, I couldn't could never wait to get there because they sold just plain straightforward <clears throat> cheese sandwiches yeah. with grated cheese on them, <sighs> but the jar but the pickle. Now, there was more pickle on it than cheese when by the time I'd finished. Yeah. <laughs> the so was mine. Mine is, yeah. mine is now too, quite seriously. And squidgy white bread. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> Couldn't wait for that. Yeah. Well, I have an ex-girlfriend as okay. well. I had an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> well, I have an ex-girlfriend. Yeah, yeah you still have her. And, she, um, and she, she used to get bite the top off of uh, Cadbury's cream eggs right. and dip salt and vinegar chipsticks in the, yeah. in the fondant. Whoa. Yeah. So the dipping of crisps She's still alive. is a, is yeah. a thing. <laughs> Didn't do it no more. <laughs> yeah. But I think that salty sweet thing, like yeah. we've seen that a lot, yeah. um, you know, and things that things that do kind of 
work or things that sound strange that do work. So you've got like, <clears throat> you know, we all know about chocolate and salt. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking that um, Jose Pizarro does this amazing dessert and it's like a chocolate ganache on really thin, really crisp toast. And then he drizzles olive oil over the top and then right. and then sea salt. And the combination of the oil and the salt and the chocolate is just yeah. such a fantastic combination. But if you said that to someone who perhaps, you know, hadn't tried it before, they might think it was a little bit weird. But I think we're getting more into the idea now, salted caramel, mixing. salted chocolate. Yeah, and the other way around as well. Mm. We're getting more and more into, I mean, it's not a new thing in the world, but or indeed in this country, but it's coming back again is the fruit with meat thing. Yeah. You get that much more in sweet Like jam with like, roasts. <laughs> jam, jam with roasts, for instance. That's in all the top Two, places 2017 now. will yeah, be yeah. the year of the roast. But Nuno Mendes, of jam. course, he's doing that Portuguese thing of the of the pork fat dessert. I can't remember what it is exactly. Oh, yeah. I've had it and it's really, is it really, really good. good. How it does is, it, yeah. what, can you describe it? Cause I, I, I can't exactly. I can remember on. what it looks like. Try, I remember what try. it tastes like. Um, right. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's like texture? The, well, the, the it's more that it tastes of it. Right, okay. It's 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 like it's it's the the oil that's used to make it, and it is a gelatinous thing. Oh, so it's but, a jelly dessert. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's, that's, it's, yeah. It's, but you can taste it, but it's great because it taste, has that savoury note. You can slightly taste, taste the pork. Taste the porkiness. Pork, taste the porkiness, and the porkiness is good. <laughs> yeah, <you can. laughs> um, and then other ones, I think we've said before, like miso, um, because we, we've got a recipe coming up, actually, for miso caramels in our mm -hmm. Christmas issue, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. It and, is. Yeah. And it's got, it's really weird, isn't it? It really throws you. I think yeah. we spent a long time chewing, yeah. <laughs> chewing and looking at each other like, what, like does this remind, what does it remind me of? What does it remind yeah, me of? Yeah. And it's really good, but it's it's kind of like it really gets your brain whirring as to, uh, what as to is what's it? going on. What is it that it reminds you of? I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 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 everyone will have to try it. Yeah. And I've I've also seen it um, in ice creams as well. So it's that kind yeah. of umami flavour, isn't it? I yeah. think that's it's quite trendy yeah. at the minute to it mix is. to mix things like that up. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the, what the then because North African food is, is is of one type or another is all very popular now, isn't it? Middle Eastern. Yeah. And the, the pigeon. In the in the little bits of pastry, oh, what's that? Pastilla. Pastilla. Yeah. That's it. And you put it with this with the ice and sugar. Yeah, on top. yeah, yeah. That's delicious. Yeah. I love that. So the, yeah. so you can see across the world, like people yeah. are doing it. So maybe like some of our maybe some of our stuff isn't as wacky as we think it is. No, no. It's, and maybe it's just someone else's. You know, it's just someone else's is kind of creating the same flavor profile as Nuno Mendes, mm -hmm. but just in with but just salt and vinegar chip sticks and a cream egg. Yeah. Frankly, it's an ad hoc <laughs> DIY. Yeah sort of uh, molecular gastronomy yep. that people are doing at home. Well, thank you very much for both sharing yep. your um, <laughs> flavour combinations. It's been That's fascinating. Right. I um, love sharing flavour combinations. <laughs> Thanks for that, guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. Please don't forget to go review and rate us on iTunes. For more information on things we've discussed in this episode, head to our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our new December issue now from newsagents or go download the app version. Laura, the editor, will be back hosting next week. So see you then for more food and drink chat.